Who wants to talk some more about long-term care insurance in this, the 35th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast? Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back again, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Today, we have the second of two parts of my uh, audio replay of a, of a video chat I had with Carrie Peabody from Clark Insurance, who is a long-term care insurance expert. Carrie and I did a uh, live video in my Facebook group, Taxes and Retirement, back in April of 2021. We, we broke down and Carrie discussed uh, everything you ever wanted to know about long-term care insurance, what it is, how it works, the features to look for, what it costs, uh, when to consider getting it, what stage in life you should consider it, et cetera. And there's lots of great questions in line from, from people in the Facebook group who are watching live at the time. So if you uh, listened to last week's episode, episode 34, which was part one of this chat, I'm sure you you got a lot of great info out of it from you know hearing Carrie discuss long-term care insurance and how it works and hearing uh, questions, questions from viewers at the time, which I'm sure many of you have those same questions. So today is just simply the second of two parts of my uh, talk with Carrie. I, I don't want these podcast episodes to be too long. The, the video originally was over an hour, so I figured I'd just split it up into two. So each podcast episode now is uh, whatever, 35, 40 minutes or so. Um, so without further ado, I bring you the second part of my chat with Carrie Peabody about long-term care insurance. Here we go. Um, huge question. I'm sure this could be a, an hour-long discussion in itself. <laughs> Pros and cons of self-insuring instead of purchasing long-term care. Oh, this is one of my pet. <laughs> First of all, you cannot self-insure. Okay, when you insure, you transfer the risk. You can self-fund, but that's a big, that's a long call uh, from self-insuring. Okay, okay? Yeah. technically, okay. Right. Uh, Here's, here's what I've run into, even with wealthy clients. If, if you've got $4 million in CDs and, and, and a $19,000 a month pension, you don't need long-term care insurance. But here's what I've run into several times over the years is dad needs 24-7 care because he's got Parkinson's or he had a stroke or whatever. Okay, okay. They've got plenty of money in the bank, but mom's not going to spend their money on this kind of nonsense. So she's going to take care of dad. And she runs herself ragged. And before you know it, she's in the hospital because her health has gone down the tubes while their money's sitting in the bank. So the big con is, do you want to spend your money on this kind of miserable stuff? Or would you rather spend somebody else's money on this? Yeah, got it. So even though you may have the funds on paper and in projections, do you really want to be using it for this? Right. Or Okay, yeah. And, and you know, look at it this way. You've got people on the on the call right now, Andy, who could tell me within probably $20,000 how much it would cost to replace their house. And they could probably write a check to do that. But I yeah. bet you a buck they're still insuring their house. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's a good point. It's a fair way to look at it. Uh, and I like the terminology. You know, Admittedly, I, I say self-insure. And, and I know what you mean. I know where you're coming from. So when you insure something, you're transferring the risk to someone right. else to deal with, right? Exactly. So in that sense, yeah, self-insure is the wrong term. Um, I like Self, I'll start calling it self-funding uh, going forward. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. Here, for those who are uninsurable, can you comment on guaranteed issue long-term care policies? Whatever. Hopefully, you know what true freedom is. Uh, I, I know what true freedom is. I, I, I've poked around the edges of true freedom. True freedom is sort of a membership, if you will. It's not a long-term care policy. 
It's a bunch of guys who used to work in the long-term care industry way back when, and they said, you know, we need an answer for people who cannot get long-term care insurance. Okay. So with them, what you're kind of doing is you're throwing your money into a pool sort of as a member of this this exclusive club that'll take just about anybody who doesn't already need long-term care. And when you need long-term care, help with your ADLs or whatever, instead of calling the local home care agency, you call True Freedom. They, in turn schedule your care through the local agencies and they pay for it. Okay. It's, it's a it. little bit more complicated than that, but that's the gist of it. And I have to be honest, I've never used them. I've pointed a couple of clients in their direction, but I've never actually pulled the trigger on one. Is, is, is this loosely comparable to health sharing, like the medical insurance alternative where like typically it's faith-based or something. Right. It's not really insurance. It's a bunch of people of some common interest pooling money yeah. that, that agree to pay for one another if and when services are needed. Pretty, pretty much. But, but okay. once you send them in your annual premium, your annual, annual membership fee, you're done with your sharing. Uh, oh, okay. So, got it. Got it. Yeah. There's no additional. Yeah. So they're just pooling the funds and hoping that, you know, not too many members need long-term care. And then now what this probably does give them, though, Andy, is some bargaining power with the local agencies. You know, we're going to send 10 people your way over the next two years. Why don't you give us a set of 30 bucks an hour, charge us 26? So yeah. that might be how they're they're kind of hedging oh, their bets. Interesting. So maybe something like N2 for those who are truly uninsurable yeah. and do want the uh, protection. Okay. Well, and can I get off track here for just a second? Yeah, please. On this uninsurable, you know, there are a lot of things you can... There are a lot of ways to pay for long-term care before you get to the long-term care insurance. Okay. Re- remember that. I mean, you've got savings, you've got home equity, uh, yeah. talk to your attorney. If you don't work, if you're uninsurable, and, and even if you are insurable, you should be talking to an elder law attorney about, Hey, what can we put in place from a legal standpoint to protect us? Cause there are other ways to do this. Yeah. Long-term care is just one tool in that whole big portfolio of stuff. Yeah. Um, sort of, I guess, related comment about kind of asset protection, but what do you consider the investable net worth thresholds for spending down to Medicaid, purchasing long-term care coverage or self-insurance or self-funding? Yep. Do you have a range in mind and sort of quasi-related thought? Um, do you ever advocate or work with people or have methods or places to point people who do want to shield assets from having to spend down, you know, get them out of their name while they're alive? Yeah, yeah that's, that's where the elder law attorney comes in. And again, make sure you're working with a qualified elder law attorney. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the, to the question, in my mind, you should have fairly decent and a fairly decent asset base before you're in considering long-term care insurance. Okay. If you're, if you're living on social security and you've got a hundred thousand dollars in savings, you shouldn't be buying long-term care insurance. All right. Okay. If you've got a million dollars, anywhere from, I'd say $200,000 to a million dollars, you really need to strongly consider having some kind of long-term care insurance in place. Remind me to talk about the long-term care partnership program because nobody knows about the long-term care partnership program. Okay. Making a note. Yep. A million and more. I, I work with some financial advisors who got clients in the $5 million range who still their clients tell their clients they should have it. I'm working right now with clients who've got $12 million in investable assets, but they've both had a parent with Alzheimer's. So this question, there's so much more than what's the what's the yeah. range, okay? Yeah. What's your income? What are the sources? All that stuff. Um, another consideration I, I come across is what are your legacy goals? If you have three yeah. million bucks, but you want to make sure you leave at least two million for whoever, right? You need to protect it, right? Exactly, okay. or replace it one or the other. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna. Can I talk about the long-term care partnership program for just a minute? All right. Yep. Good. Are you familiar with it, Andy? I'm not. 
Okay. Yeah. See, nobody, this is a criminal. Nobody knows about this program. And I, I bring this up because spending down to Medicaid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's something almost nobody knows about long-term care insurance because nobody's telling them this. Let's just talk about the averages. Okay. And on average, if you've got a couple in, in most states and the husband has a whopping stroke, okay, and he needs to go into the nursing home and it's, it's a horrible situation. He's not going to die, but he's not coming home. So he's going to be in the nursing home for four years. All right. Okay. The wife's going to have to start writing those checks for $10,000 a month. Well, she doesn't want to do that. So she goes and applies for Medicaid. They're going to tell her, Ethel, you can only have your home, your primary home, your primary vehicle, and roughly $130,000. Okay. So if she's got $500,000 in the bank, she's got to spend down $370,000 before they're going to help her husband financially. That's Medicaid in a nutshell. Great program. Okay. But let's say she has a traditional standalone long-term care insurance policy that qualifies for something called the long-term care partnership program. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when he goes and has his whopping stroke and winds up in the nursing home, she's not going to go to Medicaid. She's going to file the long-term care insurance claim. And let's pretend that that long-term care policy has a $200,000 pool of money. okay? Okay. So over the next couple of years, he uses up that entire $200,000 pool of money. I know this is complicated. I'm sorry. You're quite all right. But he uses up that $200,000 money, and then the long-term care insurance runs out, and he still doesn't have the decency to die. So she's right back where she started from. Now okay. she's going to start writing those checks again. So now she's going to go down to Medicaid, and they're going to say, Ethel, you can keep your house. You can keep your car. You can keep $130,000. But since you had that long-term care partnership eligible policy – that paid for $200,000 before you came to us, yeah. we're going to let you keep your $130,000 and an additional $200,000 of your money. So now okay. she's only got to spend down 170 to get him on the Medicaid. And uh, I'm sorry, so which policies qualify for that? To- you have to buy a, a standalone long-term care insurance policy. Hybrids don't work. Okay. It has to be filed as a partnership policy and you have to buy the right inflation rider. The partnership's okay. available, I think, in 43 states now. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Nobody knows about it. It's wow. a shame. Um, I, this may sort of be the same thing. I, was, I don't know what this is. Can you comment on the federal long-term care insurance program? This is the long-term care insurance program that's been designed and put in place for federal employees. Okay. Uh, this has been around for probably 15 years now. Initially, it was MetLife and John Hancock. Who, who tag-teamed this, and they came out with a product for federal employees. Now it's just John Hancock. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a tax-qualified policy. It, it's a decent policy. It's very competitively priced. They've had some really whopping rate increases up to 125% in some cases because it was so competitively priced, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it's a good conservatively underwritten program. It's only available to federal employees. Uh, you can't get preferred health discounts. One of the issues that, that the rest that the individual industry has moved to that they haven't is now if you buy traditional long-term care insurance from Mutual of Omaha or National Guardian Life or any of those carriers, women and men pay different rates because okay. women use a lot more long-term care. The federal program still uses gender neutral rates. So okay. men and women are so I'm I'm afraid they're gonna have rate issues down the road, but it's a good solid product. Is is uh do they do the rates they give trend more towards what men should be or what women should be, or is it kind of split down the middle? Kind of split down the middle. A couple of things you can't do with the Fed program, uh, though, is buy shared care, and shared care is a really important rider. 
That's uh, the that's the pooling of the benefit. Yeah. Amount. So okay. so the husband's got a three year pool and she's got a three year pool. If he uses up his three years, now he can draw from hers. And okay. what that does is it gives them some additional protection just in case one of them needs five or six or seven years of care. Got it. And it saves their money for the healthy spouse. When I when I talk to couples about long term care insurance, Andy, I have two goals in mind. Okay. The first, keep them out of the nursing home as long as humanly possible. Okay. okay. The second, protect the financial independence of the healthy spouse. Right. So they're not depleted so, because right. of it. Yeah. Uh, sounds like we already you already touched on this, but it's a federal program comparable to the three top three companies you mentioned. I know you said you don't have that yeah. uh, shared, but otherwise, okay. Yeah. Um, I know the answer is yes. I, I don't know who it is exactly. Is there a rating agency? Uh, part one. Part two, who's the regulatory oversight for carriers? So the NAIC, National Association of Insurance Commissioners, is sort of the overarching authority, if you will. And they, they come out with the model legislation and the model contract wording and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Each state regulates the insurance companies state on a state-by-state basis. Okay. And that's where the rating decisions and the rating approvals and disapprovals are made at state level. Okay. Right. Um, and and the, the agencies themselves. So you know, I'm familiar with traditional corporate ratings, Moody's, S&P, Fitch. AM Best. Uh, AM Best is a big insurer rating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. AM Best is really the, they really take a look at the company's claims paying ability. And that's what it's really all about. Yeah. And super high level. I know you mentioned do not buy a policy from anyone rated below A. Yep. Can you just run through quickly the schematic? Because there's four tiers of A, right? And then A, I mean, any A. So A minus, A, A plus. Any of those carriers are going to be good, solid carriers. So don't need to lose sleep over A A plus versus A minus as long as it's A something. Okay. Again, as long as they're hitting all those marks, they're they're, they're got a solid financial rating. They're conservative underwriters and they're conservatively priced. Okay. How how would you know that other than doing the homework and shopping around policies like conservative pricing, for example? Again, this isn't a plug for me. You've got to work with an agent who represents all the carriers and is going to show you all the carriers. Yeah. And I think that's important. Not not just long-term care, but any insurance, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Quick educational piece. There's some companies where they have uh, in-house employees that are called captive, correct? Right. They can only sell that company's in-house product versus independent or non-captive, whatever technical term is. Right. You're not beholden to sell just Northwestern Mutual, right? You work with exactly. If I can only represent Northwestern Mutual's product, then that's always going to be the best choice. Yeah, right. I'm not picking on Northwestern Mutual. That's just what came to mind. Um, uh, uh, Okay, great. Interesting statistic question. What is the percentage of insured who actually claim? I wish I could answer that question. I can't. The carriers are pretty tight-fisted with that information, so I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. You can just make it up. Like I said before, 70%, Seven, 70%. statistics are made up. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> if you notice, the first time I said 60% of statistics are made up, now I said 70%. Yeah. That's part of the joke. <laughs> I say it to my kids. Here's the <laughs> Everybody asks about statistics, Andy. Here's the only statistic I use when I talk to people about long-term care. And this is the nerdiest thing you've ever heard, I guarantee. It's 100% guaranteed you don't know what might happen to you over the next 30 years. What, uh, I like that, yes. <laughs> if you can refute that and prove me wrong... I'll give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> I, I cannot. That's a good one. Uh, Bud Blower, my understanding is the premiums for hybrid policies, again, insurance that has long-term care bolted on, do not qualify for tax deduction as traditional might. Is this correct? Wow. This audience is on it. Okay. So that yeah. used to be the case. Okay. But now some of the hybrid carriers inside the product are breaking apart the long-term care rider premiums and the life insurance premiums. 
So you Got may it. get some deductibility. Now, okay. deductibility is pretty tough because it's the amount that's deductible is based on your age. Okay. If you just qualified for long-term care insurance, you're probably in good health. And tax-qualified long-term care premiums are rolled into your unreimbursed medical expenses for tax purposes. So you got to hit yeah. that 10% AGI trigger, all right? Okay. Now, a couple exceptions to that. Maybe you're a business owner. If you're a business owner, you might be able to take this as a self-employed health insurance deduction. So keep that in mind. Got it. Okay. To the extent you have positive net income, you can deduct right. uh, yeah, premiums. Okay. Um, here's, here's an interesting one. Less so about the specific insurer, but just generally older policies you know, versus today. I purchased a policy from Mutual of Omaha that was offered to my employer in the 80s. Should I look into purchasing a newer updated policy or generally speaking, Carrie, why and when should someone consider re-upping or renewing uh, into a, a new policy if they have an old one? You almost never want to replace an old policy. Okay. okay? Because those old policies are with Mutual of Omaha, for instance, not for every carrier, but, but most carriers. That policy is grandfathered uh, for tax qualification purposes, so that's a good thing. But the rates on that policy are going to be so much less than what you would buy, the, what you what you would pay to replace that today. So keep that, and if you don't think it's enough, supplement it with a smaller, newer policy. But never let that one go; it's a bargain. Okay. Yeah, partly because they, I want to say they got it wrong, but the underwriting. You know, they uh, were a little too generous with the benefits, right? And this person was a lot younger in the 80s than they are in the 2000s. So, Good point. Uh, I'm sure people want to know this, and we chatted about it briefly before we went live. Uh, average cost. Now, I know, again, this is all going to depend on age and underwriting yep. and uh, specific bells and whistles and coverage levels and things like that. Um, but the example here, to the extent you can come up with anything, uh, 150 a day, three-year, 90-day elimination, 3% inflation rider with the shared care. I'm sorry, 3% inflation with shared care rider. I'm um, going to do the unheard of. I'm going ooh. to tell you how much this costs. Yes, do it. I have right here. Okay. The Mutual of Omaha. Okay. Best yeah. product on the market today, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And uh, why is that briefly? Why that versus whatever other cover? Uh, because of the plan features that are built in. It's got a calendar day deductible, whereas some carriers are a service day deductible. It's got that 25% okay. cash benefit we talked about. Uh, stuff like that. Okay. okay. Uh, so this is a good, uh, this is an excellent question. So here's a couple age 55, male, female. Okay. Uh, they're both age 55. They're in standard health. They're not preferred health. The preferred rating on long-term care insurance is like finding a unicorn. If somebody <laughs> promises it to you, run away. Okay. They're not going to get it for you. All right. 55 years old, uh, $4,500 per month benefit, 90 day elimination period, three-year benefit period. So they both start off 4,500 times 36 months. They both got $162,000 in their bucket of money. Okay. 3% compound inflation. Combined cost for that couple, $4,970 a year. Okay. So basically okay. $2,500 per person in yep. essence. By the time they're 85 years old, which is really that long-term care claim hot zone because of that inflation rider, they each have $393,000 in their bucket of money to use for care. And they can freely swap it if and when needed because they have that rider. Is there any uh, things to watch out for or kind of catches with the rider, the shared uh, care rider? Well, this one doesn't have shared care. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, I did That would take the price up a little bit more on, on, on that one. Now, that was at age 55, it was 4970 If they wait till 65, it's almost 7100 So that's that, okay. that shows you the difference in the pricing by age. Right, right. Okay. 
And then at what point you set up to 79, I think is, is the yep. latest you, and that's by law or just what the insurers choose. Just what the insurers are willing to do. You used to be able to buy it up to 85 or 90, but not anymore. Now I, I assume the, uh, moral is it moral hazard or whatever someone who's 79 and buying long-term care chances are it's going to be outrageously expensive because oh, yeah. they think that they think they need it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. they're okay. a lot closer to that claim than most people yeah uh okay here's another tax again sharp group here long-term care insurance premiums are qualified expenses for health savings account distributions absolutely so you yep. can use hsa money to pay for um yeah for long-term care just, just make sure you understand what the age-based limit is because it's based on your age okay so uh the, the the deductibility or the ability to pay through hsa or both is the deduct, deductibility for instance if i'm between the ages of 51 and 60 the most i can deduct with eligible long-term care premium is 1690 dollars per person per year okay, okay. uh yes right. I, I dust it, that it, off I, that sounds vaguely familiar in the back of my head yeah if, okay. I, if i'm 71 or older it's 5640 so again it's based on your age when you're making that deduction Got it. Okay. Um, here's a good one. If you buy a long-term care policy in one state, then move to another state 20 years later, what happens to the policy? Is there any state dependency on coverage or anything? No, they are fully portable. You take it up and it goes with you and it works just the same in that state. Okay. Excellent. Um, I think the answer is probably yes. You recommend only buying a plan in the partnership program. For most of my clients, yeah, I, I don't work with a lot of multimillionaires for long-term care insurance. Again, if you've got a million dollars or less, it would be irresponsible of me to sell you a policy that didn't qualify for partnership. Got it. Uh, related question, how much assets does the partnership allow you to keep? Is it whatever the amount of the benefit is or is there a restriction? Exactly, yep. If, 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 I, if my policy had a, a $750,000 pool of money that I exhausted before I applied for Medicaid, I could keep an additional $750,000 of my own assets and still qualify. Oh, great. It's dollar for dollar asset protection above and beyond the Medicaid spend down. Whatever the benefit amount is that you get. Okay. Uh, Jane, Jane shut up a bit late. Maybe if we can just recap. Uh, what age should one consider buying long-term care? When it's right for you, the average is between 55 and 58, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Okay. So late fifties, basically. Yeah. And, and you can buy, you said uh, yours, you know, for Jane's benefit. Um, yeah. You, you, you bought yours are like 40. Some people you can buy up to your, your late seventies. Sure. Yep. yep. Okay, cool. How do you find out which companies are in the long, the uh, partnership program? Well, typically most states will have a, a, a web page that will tell you which which carriers you know offer partnership protection. That might be kind of hard to find because every every site is different. Again, yeah. the best thing to do is work with a with a, an agent who specializes in this, and they'll know. Okay, uh, it came came up with my own question. You said they're portable policies are portable by state. Yep. Now, does the underwriting and the premium price is that dependent on the state in which you get it? So, like me living in a suburb of New York City. Right. Coverage is more expensive than sure. middle America. So sure. if I buy a policy now, is my rating, is my coverage, ba my premium based on living near New York? Uh, and will it ever be revised down if I move to like... <laughs> don't you wish. Don't no, know. Okay. no. No, it's, okay. you, buy the, you buy a policy that's filed in your state and, and okay. it remains the same no matter where you take it down the road. So all else equal, if I buy a policy in whatever the cheapest, uh, I don't know, West Virginia, I'm not right. knocking them, but I'm just thinking, right? If I buy a policy there mm -hmm. and I move here, mm -hmm. well, that premium presumably will have been cheaper, yet it still gives me the same amount yep. of benefit now in New York City area. 
Sure. Okay. Like wow. Florida, for instance, Florida, for some reason, has higher rates than just about any other state. So if you're living in Texas now and you move into Florida next year, buy your long-term care insurance now. Right. Because it is portable. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know if you could say, what is the median cost of adding a shared care rider? Well, let's see here. This varies a little bit from company to company. I thought I had an example here, but I guess I don't. Uh, and I, now, you know, this is a technical crowd here. When someone asks, what's the median cost? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, come on, man. I'm um, going to say probably 12 to 15%. Okay. That, that's good. Good to know. And it's money well spent. Yeah. Um, I guess the answer is it depends. But should you buy prior to 55 for lower premiums? The downside is you're paying longer, but cheaper premiums. Right. Uh, kind of what's your thought? Is it whatever makes sense? As long as it makes sense for you. Like I said, my wife and I bought it at age 40, and and, and we've had... 70% rate increases. Okay. This is you know, yeah. no longer in the business, best policy on the planet. So we have plans right now that we cover $220 a day, six years each with 5% simple inflation. So pretty generous plans yeah. combined. Even after all the rate increases we had, we're paying $2,400 a year. So it's ridiculously inexpensive wow. because we bought so young. Now, another thing that you might want to consider is there's one company out there today on the traditional side of things that will do a 10 pay. So instead of buying this at 55 and, and paying and for the rest of my life, I'm going to pay a higher premium, but I'm going to pay for just 10 years and then I'm done and I'm covered for oh, the rest of my life. Fully funded at that point after. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I didn't know that existed for, uh, for it, long. It, it used to, a lot of carries used to offer it. Then they all stopped, but we have one company now who's, who's reintroduced it. Yeah. And, and this is something we, we had, chatted about before going live, I think it's it's helpful to mention. So you, you had said you generally don't recommend trying to fully insure the entirety right. of a anticipated long-term care, partially self-fund, partially insure. Um, can you just discuss that and kind of rules of thumb to the extent there are any about coverage to typically consider, coverage amounts to consider? Sure. Um, again, you should be sort of in a financial position where you could self-fund a pretty good chunk of this if you absolutely had to, but you don't want to. Okay. Uh, Keep in mind that in 2019, 70% of long-term care insurance claims were for home care. Yep. Less than a third of long-term care benefits are paid for nursing home care, but those tend to be cognitive claims in a lot of cases, okay? And those are the really expensive ones. So I'm going to help, or, or a good agent will help you build a safety net that's really going to focus on covering most of a, a home care or an assisted living facility stay, because that's going to help you stay out of that nursing home as long as possible. Yeah. And, and it boils down to this. You're, you're the one that's going to be comfortable writing that check to the insurance company every year. Okay. Yeah. I can show you a plan. If you're a couple age 60, I can show you a plan that's going to cover everything. And it's going to cost you $35,000 a year. <laughs> if you want that policy, I'll be at the house tomorrow and we'll do the paperwork, but I'm <laughs> guessing you don't want that policy. Yeah. I can show you a plan that's going to cost a thousand dollars a year, but it's not going to cover anything. It's really a balancing act. So for most people, we're going to build them a safety net that's going to supplement their own assets and cover most of a good home care or assisted living facility state. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good insight. Um, this person clearly knows what he or she's talking about. Are all hybrid policy premiums locked in since they are single pay or 10 pay, meaning you pay in full over 10 years and you're done paying? And I believe some hybrid like money guard policies have no elimination period. Is that correct? Do you consider that much of an advantage compared to a 90-day elimination? So 
Yes, hybrid policies are fixed premium policies. They cannot change the premiums on those policies. But again, you're going to pay more. If I if I I, I showed you the policy, the stand the standalone policy for the couple age 55 was going to cost forty nine hundred dollars a year, right? Yep. If I want to put a couple in the hybrid policies, they're going to have to buy separate policies. And if I want to get an equivalent benefit, they're going to pay five thousand dollars a piece per year. Okay. Yeah. So it's guaranteed, but it's also more expensive to begin with because right. they're selling you life insurance. Yeah. Some hybrid policies do have a zero-day elimination period. Money Guard has a zero-day elimination period. Money Guard is a reimbursement policy, just like traditional long-term care insurance. Okay, so that's that's its weakness as a hybrid. It doesn't give you that cash benefit. Okay. Uh, Securian has a ninety-day elimination period. Nationwide has a cash benefit and a ninety-day elimination period. But once you're eligible for benefits. They they pay back to the beginning of the elimination period. So there are every every product okay. is a little bit different. You just yeah. got to make sure you understand how the one you buy works. And and that's the value in an agent. And, and not saying this to self promote you, but like insurance is so complicated. And across carriers, what's basically the same product with so many tweaks and bells and whistles and different marketing names, it's it's literally impossible for a consumer to do the homework and do the comparisons themselves with, with the any insurance product. Is, the only thing worse is Medicare. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick pat on the back. Great answers, Carrie. Thank you for great info. Thank you, Tony. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. And I'll be sure to share at the end. Once we wrap, the uh, the thank yous come flooding in and I'll slap them up here for you to see. <laughs> um, all right. So we are at nine o'clock. There's still a handful of questions. You, you got. Um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your evening here, Carrie. Um, let's see what else we have. If you have an unlimited coverage policy with no term limit, do you ever recommend putting a term limit on to lower premium? I'm a big believer in short, wide policies as opposed to long and skinny policies, okay? Uh-huh. I'd, I'd much rather sell you a $200 a day benefit with a three-year benefit period than a $100 a day benefit with a lifetime benefit period, okay? Because I don't want you to go broke while money trickles out of that policy. And mm-hmm. very few long-term care claims are going to last longer than three years. So buy uh-huh. a short, wide policy. Don't buy unlimited coverage. It's overkill. Okay. Good to know. Are long-term care policies protect the case they go bankrupt, like uh, some sort of guarantee or backstop system? Good question. And I can't I can't bring this up unless somebody asks it by law. So that's a good question. Every state has a state guarantee trust fund of some kind. And okay. what that is, is all the life and health insurance carriers that operate in a state have to pay a premium tax on everything they sell. That goes into a pool that's designed to protect consumers in case a, uh, an insurance company goes bankrupt or into receivership. Okay. If that happens... Depending on the state you're in, you're going to be protected. In most cases, it's up to two or three hundred thousand dollars. It may not protect the full benefit. Okay. But yes, there is a safety net. Okay. And, and I guess similar to how banks have FDIC insurance up to some amount, um, pensions, you know, private pensions have the pension benefit guarantee corp. You may not get a hundred cents on the dollar, but your your pension program has to pay a little bit of premiums into this national safety net. Uh, that will step in if and when a particular program or a provider exactly goes bust. Okay. Are there any level premium policies? The hybrid policies are all level premium policies. The standalone policies, no. The, but again, because they fix the pricing assumptions and they're so much more expensive today, I tell my clients, look, you're 55. You're going to buy this policy. You're going to keep it for 30 years, 40 years maybe. You're going to get a couple of rate increases, but they're going to be this big, not this big. Okay. Okay. And even when you get that rate increase letter, if you have to, you can tweak your benefits to keep your price down. You can. So they do allow you to change. Okay. 
That's interesting. Yeah, you have the contractual right in every policy, every tax qualified policy out there to adjust your benefits at any time for any reason. It doesn't have to be because of a rate increase. There's also yeah. there's also okay. something called contingent non-forfeiture. Okay, again, one of the things that nobody knows about. Contingent non-forfeiture is a consumer protection feature. It's built into all of these policies that says if your rates are increased by a certain percentage based on the age when you buy it, yeah. if you hit that trigger percentage, you can say, you know what, the heck with this, I'm done, I'm not going to pay any more. Whatever you've paid in in premiums up to that point, even if you let the policy lapse, would always be there for you to collect in the form of long-term care benefits. Oh, great. Okay. That's built into all these tax qualified policies. But again, since today's policies are so conservatively priced, nobody buying a policy today is ever going to have to worry about that, in my opinion. Yeah. If you want to find out more about ratings, where do you go? Is there a central site? You know, that that's a tough one. You can go, if you know which carriers you're looking at, usually you can usually go to their website and they'll have an investor section or a financial section and they might have those ratings in there. Other than that, again, if you're working with a good agent, he or she should be able to provide you with that. Okay. Um, when do you stop paying premiums? Is it based on the amount of coverage divided by number of years? Or I guess another way, some policies you pay forever until you, right. you use it or die, right? Most policies you pay forever or until you go on claim. Typically, once you're collecting benefits, your premiums are waived. Okay. Okay. Uh, but unless you buy a hybrid with a with a with a limited payment, like a five or a ten pay, uh, or a single pay, or you buy uh, the one traditional long term care policy as a ten pay or a single pay, you're going to be paying p- pretty much forever. Uh, I don't know what this means. We bought a long-term care policy with John Hancock a decade plus ago and has level premium daily coverage $25. Is this a corner case policy? Do you know what that means? I, I do not know what that means, a corner case policy. It's a John Hancock policy. It's a good, solid carrier, and it's you get a $325 day benefit. You've got a good, solid plan there. I'm not sure what you mean by, is it a corner case policy? Okay. No, sorry. Maybe like... Uh, unicorn unusual hard to find i don't know um <laughs> uh you couldn't replace it now for for any anywhere near what you're paying for it i guarantee <laughs> is hancock still currently underwriting new policies or no uh just for the fed program okay do any policies refund part of your premium if you never use it one company national guardian life will sell you a will, will sell you a, a partial return of premium rider so if you buy this policy you pay the extra premium when you pass away your premiums minus any claims paid would be returned to your estate. Okay. Typically not worth the additional premium. Again, I'm not a big rider guy unless yeah. it's going to give you a real tangible benefit. So. Okay. Uh, this is super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. looks, like, looks like we are getting towards the end here. Cody Garrett as well. He's uh, he's actually one of the, the moderators of the group and a very active contributor. You've been such a helpful guest, Carrie. Hey, thank you, Cody. Uh, oh, wait, here we go. Apologies if this has been asked. I'm late to the party. What? Oh, yeah. Okay. The age question again. Um, recommended age, late 50s, typically, mid, right? Mid to late 50s is when most people are doing it. Okay. And the last question I see, do long-term care policies cover care outside the U.S.? That's a good question. Uh, maybe. Some carriers, most carriers do. Some carriers don't. That's really where you've got to look at the specific policy. For instance, if you said you wanted a, a traditional long-term care insurance policy and you might be receiving care outside of the U.S., I would point you at Mutual of Omaha. If okay. you wanted a hybrid policy, the life and long-term care rider, I would point you at Securian. Those are the two strongest right now for international benefits. And those that do have international coverage, is it 
do they cherry pick the countries they cover and with different coverage amounts or is, you know, does it kind of click really, wherever? For instance, Mutual of Omaha will pay you. Now, remember, Mutual of Omaha is a reimbursement policy. Okay. Yeah. But if you're outside the U.S., they would pay a cash benefit for up to one year. And if you wanted okay. anything beyond that, you'd have to come back to the U.S. Okay. So Got it. If, yeah. Okay. Um, lots of thanks flowing in from everyone. So it looks like we're calling it. So, uh, Carrie, whoever this is planted this perfectly. If people want to reach out to you, find out more about your services, long-term care, uh, where do they go? How do they find you? Okay. So my, 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 I'm part of a, a large agency. The, the website is, uh, clarkinsurance.com, C-L-A-R-K insurance.com. Okay. My email is just kpbody at clarkinsurance.com. Uh, if you're on LinkedIn, Look me up on LinkedIn. I've got about 45 really good articles out there that you can read if you want to nerd out a little bit more on this stuff. Okay. And this is your email, right? Kpbody yeah, at clarkinsurance.com. Um, and so you, you are in Mass, uh, uh, not Mass, Maine. Maine, sorry. Which states are you able to work in or clients in which states are, are you able to work in? Right now I'm licensed in about 26 states. Uh, okay. In most states, if I'm not licensed, I can be licensed in a matter of a few days. So not a big okay. And to the extent you're not or can't, do you have someone else within Clark? Or like, what would you do with someone for, for whatever reason you simply can't work with? Where, where would you uh, put them? I have, I from my old Unum days when I was flying around the country training agents, I've got contacts pretty much anywhere. So we can, if, if I can't help you, I'll find you somebody that can. Okay. Awesome. Uh, great info on a complex topic. Thank you. Fantastic info. Thank you so much. Great information. Wish we weren't uninsurable. Sorry. To well, that. now hold on. Call me. There may be an answer. Okay. Uh, again, there are, if you want to get creative, there are different products out there that we might be able to do something. At least take the time to make sure you're uninsurable before you just assume that you are. Right. And thanks to Cody Garrett, just uh, giving people a splash here oh, of your thanks. LinkedIn profile. All right. So um, we're going to wrap it, Carrie. Super, super helpful. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount myself. So thank you for your time and your knowledge. Thanks for having me. Um, if you could just ask you to stay on the broadcast, I'm going to kill the live and then just yeah. stick around for a while. So um, uh, well, hold on. One more straggler just came in. If I don't know if I'll be in the U.S., would you still recommend long-term care or just consider other types of products like annuities? We'd have to talk. Uh, it depends on where you're going to be, why you're going to be there, how old, all of that stuff. Uh, again, there are other ways to pay for long-term care uh, than long-term care insurance. You may It may not make sense for you. I'm yeah. happy to talk to you if you want to talk. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you all. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you again, Carrie. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. All righty. That is a wrap for the replay of my video chat with Carrie Peabody from Clark Insurance, where he and I got deep into long-term care insurance. Uh, hopefully you, you all got a lot out of it. Um, there, if you were interested in reaching out to Carrie, you can find his contact info in the notes to this episode. Uh, if you do like the the you know the, the replay you heard and the videos like it, uh, not just long-term care, but I discuss all sorts of things in the uh, Tax and Retirement Facebook group, then you will definitely dig being a member of that group if you're not already. Again, it's the Facebook group Taxes and Retirement. You may also like my other content sources, my YouTube channel, Retirement Planning Demystified, and my uh, monthly newsletter, which is Retirement Planning Insights. You can find links to to all three of those in the notes to this to this show. And finally, uh, as always, if you do like and appreciate and, and learn from what you hear in this podcast, I would uh, be super happy and greatly appreciate if you were to, to be so kind and generous as to leave a nice review, a thumbs up, a like, a five star, a whatever form of positive acknowledgement you can 
on whatever podcast platform you use to, to listen to the show. That's it. Thank you as always again for listening and I will see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you. Thank you.